This episode of the Sunspots Comics Podcast is brought to you by our brand new sponsor, Cryptid Zoo. Cryptid Zoo is a t-shirt line uniquely infused with augmented reality and inspired by cryptozoology figures like Bigfoot. It is designed by artist and owner Julian Meyer, and check out the amazing unique shirt designs at cryptidzoo.com. And don't forget to use the promo code SUNSPOTSCOMICS and you will get 25% off your shirts. Again, that's www.cryptidzoo.com. If you're looking for a place where your love is shared the same For the stories where the hero saves the girl somehow Where love no further friends, the adventure never ends We will save the world somehow In Sunspots Comics Town Listening to the Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue number one zero two, covering new comic books that I read that came out on Wednesday, New Comic Book Day, April twelfth. And this particular podcast has become one with the Force. I am your Padawan podcast host, Chris Latori. Thank you so much for joining us here in the Sunspots Comics Podcast, where I recommend to you an amazing list of fresh, smelling, brand new comic books. For you to read every single week, please just subscribe to our podcast, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Xbox Live at Sunspots Comics. And also check us out on YouTube.com slash Lat. And three things, if you just want to hear someone talk about new comic books and how much they love them, this is your Sunspots Comics podcast is for you. Or if you're brand new to comic books, you're not sure what to get, this here Sunspots Comics podcast is for you. Or of course, if you've just been reading since the very dawn of existence, like myself, and you just go into a comic book shop and you just want to buy it all, but you really want to just know what the best stuff is, then again, this here Sunspots Comics podcast is for you. So tell a friend. Those three things apply to you. And two quick thank yous. Thank you to my friend Nick Papa George for making our amazing Sunspots Comics theme song. Please check us out. See his stuff out at facebook.com slash Nicholas Dell Music. You can get his awesome song that's playing right now. Yes, the power is within you. It's playing right now on this podcast, so check it out again, facebook.com slash Nicholas Dell Music. And thank you, of course, to my son, Justin Jables Latori, for his work on our Sunspots Comics blog. Please check it out at blog.sunspotscomics.com and just follow him on Instagram at just sunspots. His last blog is on the Marvel Netflix show Iron Fist and his thoughts about Iron Fist, which I just finished it as well. And I... I'm not as harsh as everyone else upon it. I enjoyed it. I actually looked forward to watching it. It made it through. I made I made it all the way through. I actually desired to continue watching it, which is huge with all the content out there. But check out his opinion on the Netflix show Iron Fist at blog.sunspotscomics.com. And right now it's free comic book time. Yes, get ready. Grab your earbuds and stick them further into your earlobes. Because I'm giving away Spider-Man issue number five from Marvel Comics. This is written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Sarah Pacelli, which her art is just gorgeous. Just you got to put your eyes on it. 
So the first one to grab this code and go to marvel.com slash redeem wins this free comic book. All you gotta do, just go to www.marvel.com slash redeem with this code. So listen in, here we go, good luck. First one to grab this wins. This is the free code for Spider-Man issue number five. Here it comes. F is in Frank, C is in Charlie, M is in Mary, 4, K is in Kangaroo, V is in Victor, S is in Spider-Man, 7, 1, P is in Paul, M is in Mary, W as in water. Yes, so super fast. Here it comes at you. F, C, M, 4, K, V, S, 7, 1, P, M, W. So come and get it. Good luck. If you do win it, please let me know. Just reach out to me at Sunspots Comics or Chris at Sunspots Comics. Dot com on my email just let us know so we can tell people to stop trying to punch the code in of course and follow us on instagram at sunspots comics because every now and then i'm i just give these codes away i don't read the digital comic version the code just goes wasted on me so why not give a little something to you like spider-man issue number five so go get it it's miles morales it's his buddy genki the weirdest name in comics <laughs> right now just that cool buddy buddy bonding moment i just love it and the art by Sarah Pacelli is ridiculous. So go grab it. It's free. Thank you very much for listening. Just a little something to you. Some of the codes haven't been redeemed, like the Darth Vader one. So go grab them. You can still get them now. Some of them. So let's get into the Sunspots Comics podcast issue number 102. Starting out with some stuff floating around in my nerd brain. Yes, the first thing that's up in there is Star Wars Episode Eight. The Last Jedi trailer just hit. The movie comes out December 15th. I can't wait. And it's just Star Wars is all in my mind. The Star Wars celebration going on right now in Orlando, Florida from April 13th to the 16th is going on. And I even was so inspired by everything Star Wars inside of me that I watched Rogue One and Episode 7, The Force Awakens, in 3D. Now, if you're into 3D and you kind of want to know which one of the two is better, Rogue One or Episode 7, the winner goes to Episode 7. The 3D quality is amazing. There is more eye-popping detail in Force Awakens in 3D than Rogue One, maybe because they released Force Awakens in 3D much later after the initial release, so they had some time to sort of clean it up, add some interesting, unique lines, and some, some action that comes a little more into your face subtly in Force Awakens than Rogue One, but in 3D, it's glorious, it's beautiful. I know it's kind of a, people don't really watch 3D all that much, but I still love it. It just adds immersion into the experience, and Episode 7 is way better in 3D. So check that out. But I've also decided that I'm not going to watch the Last Jedi trailer, at least for now. <laughs> but it's everywhere. I mean, yesterday or maybe the day before, I was even on a page just looking at the upcoming five-day weather forecast. And there is the Last Jedi trailer, like on the screen on the bottom right. It's like you can't get away from it. It is everywhere. But for now, I've decided to say spoiler-free. I know it's like, what, eight months before the movie comes out. But I know I'm going to see it regardless. I'd rather have some surprise at seeing some of the visual media that's happening in The Last Jedi. So for now, I am avoiding that trailer. I know it's hard to do. It's everywhere. It's literally everywhere. <laughs> and the next thing on my nerd brain is Voltron Season 2. It's on Netflix. You got to be looking at this. I'm almost done. I'm like on Episode 11 of Voltron Season 2. And it just gets better and better and better. Ultimately, at its core, too, is that family feeling, that family gathering the sort of ragtag bunch group here that is trying to help save the universe against this evil armada enforcing force that is that is trying to destroy the universe. But Voltron Season 2, I recommend it. 
jump at it, go see it, jump into Voltron episode, uh, season one in Netflix. It's super duper good. I just love that Saturday morning anime slash feel that it has to it. And like I said, at its core, it's that family that's they've developed really well. They're even showing the old Voltron 1984 series on Netflix and a just brief sort of introduction from the new Voltron team. Uh, explaining their favorite old 1984 vo favorite uh, Voltron episode and why it's their favorite and how it sort of inspired them to the new version of Voltron. So it's great. Go check that out as well. Some of them stand up, not all of them, of the 1984 Voltron, I'll be honest. But it's still super good stuff at its core. And like I said, that family feel is great. The next thing on my nerd brain is some comic book movie and TV news. Yes, the first thing that was interesting was that the creator of the comic book Spawn, Todd McFarlane, who's also one of my favorite Spider-Man artists of all time, he's just recently been quoted at saying that he believes that his new Spawn live-action movie that's coming sometime very soon will reinvent comic book movies. Wow. Also, that it will be the first superhero movie to embrace the horror genre. <coughs> Blade. <coughs> <laughs> bold and always optimistic as ever thank you Todd and best wishes I really do hope that the spawn movie that's coming out that you're working on really envisions your your true invention of this of this particular character and stays true to its core and what you believe spawn truly is because it's uh, lasted it's still going as an ongoing title it's still out there uh, the rated R HBO animated series that unfortunately went to two seasons was dark and brooding and amazing. I still enjoy peeking into that every so often. So super exciting. Spawn live action movie is coming back out. Todd McFarlane is, is at the reins here and he really wants to do some unique and amazing stuff. Even hoping that the success, potential success of a new Spawn live action movie will inspire like smaller budgets, uh, not so known characters, comic book uh, characters to, to have a chance at making an anime, a full featured film. So good luck, Todd McFarlane. I'm behind you and I can't wait for the Spawn live action movie. So that's going to be fun stuff. And the next thing is Watchmen, they announced, is going to be a rated R animated series or movie. They're not exactly sure what the treatment will be. And they're even in talk still. I know they've been in talk since 2015 with HBO for doing a Watchmen live action series. So that's been in a long term development mode here. And I'm sure that the creator of the Watchmen, Alan Moore, is probably quoted at saying something like, grrr, hiss, boo. But <laughs> he always does for anything that's adapted of Alan Moore's work. But kind of exciting. Rated R animated treatment of some kind and maybe even a live action HBO series of The Watchmen. The classic series this, the with The Watchmen. So I'm excited to hear about that. That's just a couple of little things there in the comic book movie slash TV news. So there you go. And the last thing on my nerd brain is that I'm writing a comic book called Zombie Destroyers. <laughs> I'm writing it, coloring, uh, doing the lettering. And my friend Jordan Hudson is doing his fabulous art. It's just delightful. Please check out his Instagram at Jordan underscore Hudson underscore art. His art is inspiring. Thank you so much, Jordan, for doing that. I also have the website zombiedestroyers.com. I've posted four sample pages. Uh, today, I'll actually be posting a little glimpse of page six, but please go to zombiedestroyers.com from time to time to get a little update, a little glimpse at my comic book called Zombie Destroyers. I'm super proud of it. And just a quick Zombie Destroyers update. I have in my possession now pages 18, 19, and 20. They are done. Jordan had to add a little something onto page 20. It's done. 
And so page 30 is looking like the end of issue number one. I can't wait. It's exciting. I've given him page 21 in complete writing and visual layouts, etc. So he's working on page 21. And the end of issue number one is just coming. I can't believe it. I'm so super excited to get it out there and have it printed. Issue number one of Zombie Destroyers, hopefully sometime very soon this year. So there you go. There's a little Zombie Destroyers update. And just a quick little mention and hello to a couple of writers that I'm going to be having on our segment called Spotlighting very, very soon. It's the Action Lab Danger Zone titled Blood and Dust. Writers Michael Martin and Adam Orndorff have agreed to be on the show sometime very soon. Maybe even getting some of the art team involved in the future podcast, which is crazy. Maybe the first time I might have like five to six people on the podcast, but I'm going to go for it. We're just hammering out our schedules right now, Michael Martin and myself. And if you like Old Man Logan, the comic book, you'll love Blood and Dust. It's like Old Man Dracula. I've said it three or four times. But it's a great, unique vampire story that's just the old man Dracula protecting his grandkids, uh, trying to just live alone in the outskirts of this creepy swamp. And it's just good stuff. So thank you so much, Michael Martin, for agreeing to be on the podcast. He will be on our spotlighting segment, segment here very, very soon as soon as we hammer all that out. So if you yourself or someone that you know is an independent comic book creator, we want to shine some Sunspots comics love and support to those struggling creators. Like myself, it's hard, it's tough to get your comic books out there. And we want to do what, we want to help you out. We want to get your work out there. So if you're a writer, an artist, a colorist, a letterer, just send me your work or review copy to my email at chris at sunspotscomics.com. Of course, just message me on all the social media at sunspots comics so we want to do our part to help out the struggling independent comic book creators so now on to my favorite part of the sunspots comics podcast which is my new comic book reviews and recommendations where i pick my favorites all my favorite comic books for new comic book day wednesday april 12th so this is all the stuff that came out there and of course semi light spoiler-ish alert <laughs> i really leave the last couple of pages alone i'm really just trying to cover some of the interesting points as you'll see sometimes i struggle to not spoil things but i'm just really trying to inspire you trying to influence you trying to use my jedi mind trick for you to go out to a local comic book shop and buy these comic books immediately but just in case spoiler-ish semi-light alert <laughs> And to see everything that I'm reading, all of my favorite picks of the week since May of 2015, just go to sunspotscomics.com. Click on the pull list to see all the titles I'm reading, which is up to 148. That's right, I'm reading that many comics. Also click on top comic books of the week to see all of the past top picks. It's all there. It's cataloged. It's laid out. It's an easy source to just see what a bunch of amazing comic books are and laid out in my rankings. I just updated. I updated every single week. And I'm super proud of it. So please check out sunspotscomics.com. And this week, I love to highlight the art winners of the week. And this week, it was one and the same person. I like to talk about the favorite, my favorite art winner, which is Rose issue uh, from Image Comics, Rose issue number one, artist Ig Guara. Uh, I even love it so much. I just want to plug his Instagram. Check it out at I-G-G-U-A-R-A, Ig Guara. The cover is amazing, it's beautiful, it's just iconic of this 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 woman that is standing there with a with a sword, this gleaming sword, and a giant sort of black panther that's just taller than her. The back of it is taller than her, and she's just leather clad and this cool outfit and boots and sword. 
and it's just iconic. It's just a ton of different shades of purple, which I'm very, very much a fan of the color purple, so, I mean, not the movie, the actual color. I mean, the movie's fine, but it's just these light grading, gradient shades of purple that's just very striking with the, sort of this yellowy-orange sunset uh, in the background, so... Well done. The, the cover this week is the most striking of all the covers that I read of all of my comics, which is a ton. So I love it. And the interior art is spectacular. There is just this sort of beautiful fantasy feel to it, a multitude of colors. And of course, the emotional, the faces, uh, uh, just they, she had to, Igiguara, he had to do a multitude of different sort of emotions and he sold them all. There's happy to sad to curious to to I'm going to I'm going to hunt it's just all these different sort of faces to this warlike face and he sold them all Ig Guara is an amazing artist please go look at it and follow him again like I said at Ig Guara on Instagram the cover's glorious the beautiful interior art like I said multitudes of colors but he loves to live in that sort of sun sunburnt uh, Sunspotty, <laughs> orange, yellow, and red. I love it. And Rose, the way he's drawn, Rose is just iconic, and she's beautifully drawn. And it's this just lovely fantasy story. I mean, there's a scene where she's in, just sort of lying in the water, trying some of her magic powers, and this attention to detail of just how the water hits her clothing and her hair. It's so realistic looking and beautiful, and just lovingly doused in the fantasy world. So easily. Art winner and cover art winner this week is the Image Comics Rose Number no. 1 by artist Ig Guara. Lovely. Thank you, Ig. <laughs> I love your name. It's just weird, too. Ig Guara. But also the breakdown. I bought 24 comics this week, and 9 of them made it to the Great Ones recommendation list. That is less than that 50% that I like to live at. And new number 1s, there were 4, and 3 of the 4 made it to the Great Ones list, which I'll be discussing here in a second. They were amazing. Only one of the new number ones didn't make it. It was Z Nation didn't make it, but the rest were great for new number ones. I love when almost all of them make it to the great ones recommendation list. So let's get into my top comic book recommendations. This is my great ones list here, folks, for new comic book day, April 12th. All these new comics were amazing. I consider these to be the greatest of the greats this week, and only the great ones make the Sunspots comics recommendation list. So on to the countdown. <laughs> Coming in at number nine is Vampirella. This is uh, Vampirella issue number two from Dynamite Comics from writer Paul Cornell and artist Jimmy Broxton. This was the surprise uh, comic this week. It has this very Frank Miller feel. It's definitely odd and strange and weird. There are these clown cops in this that just sort of made me laugh out loud. <laughs> but Vampirella has sort of been asleep for a multitude of thousands of years, wakes up back on Earth, and Earth is a crazy, strange, psychedelic mess. And I actually enjoyed it. I kind of liked living in this world. But she is still sort of waking up with her memory being a little Swiss cheese. She's found this sort of, this book that sort of tells her story uh, in very, in, in a lot of different sort of time frames. I don't want to spoil all the interesting little unique premise there, but... She's just trying to figure out like where she is, when she is, trying to get her bearings. She's met this woman that helped her get some clothing uh, of the times to sort of fit in. And she's sort of helped. The, the unique part of this premise is how she's helping this woman that she's met in this time frame, time zone. And she's trying to sort of be friendly and make a friend. But what she's doing is like hilariously wrong. Like she robbed a bank for her because this 
young sort of clothing designer is living very poor and so she's just robbed a bank to give her money. So she's doing these odd things, other things I don't want to totally spoil, to sort of make this friend, which I think is different for Vampirella. <laughs> so trying to definitely humanize her, but at times she is very much the vampire queen and does whatever she wants without any regard to how it affects things. And this entire sequence where these clown cops come out of, like 50 of them come out of a clown car, a cop clown car, hilarious, made me laugh out loud. It was worth reading the comic just for that entire sequence, which seems to take up about half the comic. And Vampirella is omega level powered vampire here and she doesn't even, she on accident will just tear people's faces off. <laughs> so uh, it's just a strange Frank Miller colored feel to it. It's definitely my weird winner of the week, but check out Vampirella. It is, they started with number zero just recently. Amazing, just where she awakens and this, this, this couple awakens her and the ramifications of what happens there in this totally weird, I mean, even like the, the cop, the clown cop that throws a pie at Vampirella has this weird sort of time vortex attached to this pie. It's very weird. It's all out there, but I was really feeling it and had a, and had a, just a ton of fun with it. So check out Vampirella doing really well. Very weird. <laughs> but coming in at number eight is uh, one of the three new number ones. It's from Boom Studios. It's God Shaper number one. This is written by Simon Spurrier and artist Jonas Goonface. <laughs> Best last name in anything I read this week. Goonface. <laughs> but this is the just such a weird, unique premise here that... Maybe under other circumstances, I might have passed on this because it's kind of a complicated, unique, weird fantasy world, but they sort of don't explain why that way in the future, everyone has this sort of holographic uh, god that follows them, these mini gods that, that gives them money that when, they, when, the, when the sort of user prays, they omit like jewels that are used as currency. So strange concept just there. And there is one person, this God Shaper, that doesn't have a God with him. Everyone has a small little strange holographic neon colored God. But there's this one person, the God Shaper, that he doesn't have a God with him, but he can change their sort of their sort of powers, the God's powers. Some of them are designed for various things to help the user, if you will. And he just, because of that, he doesn't have this unlimited well of currency and has to sort of travel as almost like a hobo from town to town, reshaping and changing the sort of appearance of people's gods. And that's the core premise, which I thought was just out there. And maybe just due to Vampirella being a little out there, this sort of spoke to me as well. But I love the way that they're drawn. The art is so out there and different and very much fills each panel. It's very, in, in some points, almost cluttered, but in a unique way as almost like a Frank Quietly way where you have to spend time looking at each little segment of the panel to see these little side stories. Like one god, uh, one user has a god that sort of creates these weird slurpees and she pours ice on the back of the god's brain and it sort of vomits out this delicious slurpee treat. <laughs> so they use them for everything, it's weird. Even like a mailman has a weird pig god male sidekick that will help deliver the mail and use his mind powers to float mail. So the premise is strange, but it's focused around this god shaper who, like I said, just sort of travels from town to town as like a hobo and also goes into this underground uh, sort of club that uh, is very much taboo in this world setting. 
and uh, is is it's like this sort of nightclub that's forbidden for people to sort of sing and and dance and just be free and enjoy themselves. So strange premise, and they do show our God Shaper that's hired by this very evil person to reshape the appearance of his small God. And what goes down there is very weird and very interesting, but I just was feeling the weird, feeling the interesting. The art, like I said, is is very intricate and detailed, and you have to stare at every single panel to see little teeny stories lay out and little sort of hidden Easter eggs, if you will. But God Shaper, I'm in. I've added it to the pull list. I'm going to be checking this out, so it's, it's definitely one you want to look at. It's visually stunning. But coming in at number seven is another one of the new number ones. This is two of the three new number ones this week. And it's from Action Lab Danger Zone, Spencer and Locke, issue number one. This comes from the team, writer team of, gosh, there's a lot of people on this, but it's written by David Popose and it's art by Jorge Santiago Jr. Got to mention colors by Jason Smith. But this, if you love Calvin and Hobbes, you will love this. I mean, in some terms, maybe it is kind of a, you know, a, a ripoff or not a ripoff, I, I'd say, but a, a definite um, homage to Calvin and Hobbes. But it's what if they were older? What if Calvin Hobbes had grown up to be a man and he's kind of a detective and how Hobbes is still there uh, in his brain and he care a grown man carries around this blue stuffed animal. <laughs> but I thought, OK, maybe this will be a wacky premise. But it's not. It's very much a, a sort of dark detective uh, spy killer drama. He's investigating a murder that is way close to home. Something, Someone personal, someone that he knows is affected by this. And I love the little flashbacks. It seems like Hobbes has really helped Calvin over the years to like, ho like hone in and uh, on his detective skills and on his fighting skills. So anytime that he was... He was given adversity in his life. Hobbes really helped sort of train him, and even in fighting. And there's this scene that was a little heartbreaking where uh, Calvin's mother was abusive, physically abusive, and smacking him around. And I was like, oh, it was just breaking my heart. And he uses Hobbes as sort of a defense mechanism. So it's definitely become part of his psyche, very much Calvin and Hobbes. And this sort of what if, what, what happens to... Calvin and Hobbes, if they were adults and they were detectives, is is interesting, it's fun, it's a unique little trip, and like I said, it gets very personal into his life where he's uh, he's actually in this, this murder mystery that's very personal to him without totally blowing it. But uh, interesting premise, I, I love it, it has the flashback scenes that look very much Calvin and Hobbes, the Bill Watterson sort of style, and it's just, uh, the, the, the of course, the, the cop buddy... Uh, dialogue between the two of them is a big seller and they harnessed it right they're they're smart alex to each other and even when calvin gets into a fist fight hobbs is there as sort of he's holding on to this blue stuffed animal and i love that back and forth duality but it just makes me wish that bill waterston did more things sold other versions uh, expanded his uh, made a universe of it i mean it's still great and something to be said about bill waterston only having his his core works, you know, untouched and and staying right where it was. There's something to that too, but it makes me miss it. I, I popped open some Calvin and Hobbes and just breezed through some pages, which I love living there. It just makes you feel warm and fuzzy. Go get Calvin and Hobbes if you haven't read it, but check this out. Spencer and Locke. It's on the pull list. Brand new number one, solid stuff. The art is very sort of cartoony, but then 
It has sort of three art styles. The flashbacks are very much classic homage to Calvin and Hobbes cartooning, and then there's the gruesome sort of murderer scenes and such. It gets very hyper-realistic. And then the third one is sort of the, the relationship between them and that duality of what's in his mind and reality. So it's some, some great and unique art and a fantastic premise. If you love Calvin and Hobbes, get Spencer and Locke. It's wonderful. But coming in at number six is The Rift, issue number four of four. This is from Red 5 Comics. This is brought to you by Jeremy Renner, the actor, yes, Hawkeye himself, and created and written by Dan Hanfield and Richard Rayner, with art by Lino Corvalho. And this is the end, question mark? I mean, this just seems like this can keep going. I mean, this arc doesn't even totally wrap up. It definitely leaves a lot of questions and uh, doesn't answer everything, which I think they have to really keep going with this. They have to. But this is where this strange rift is opened up in the sky and people falling, are falling out of it. And if they don't return everything that came out of the rift back into the rift, then a cataclysmic explosion will happen, killing and destroying everything in its path. And they've used uh, various events as sort of they've turned them into conspiracy theories that all of these sort of cataclysmic events of the past are all the rift and there was even a, a sort of area 51 moment that happened in issue three that they really don't go back into so this can't be the end this has to just be the arc end and they're taking a break or something but i love this premise from Jer jeremy renner it's a unique interesting very well put together action just fast paced which I, I really enjoy that it goes by so quick but i really wanted more from this it would have been a higher ranking if they would have answered a lot more questions but we have our primary character this woman and her son whom she now explains she found in a dumpster and was keeping that sort of secret and their sort of continued adventure with uh the uh, world war ii veteran that came out of the rift cole and uh, he visited his 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 wife that has that's 90 years old and has has Alzheimer's in the last issue and this just wraps up from there, and there is this new menacing sort of ex-husband of the female character here that is uh, is developing to be a major villain. So this can't be the end, <laughs> it just can't be. But I don't want to ruin all the premises because there's some interesting things here that happen. It's very linear. It the story goes by very cleanly and paced so well. It's very realistic style of art. And I love that this villain that they're building here, which is her ex-husband, as just a complete whack job. <laughs> I have to see where it goes. But it, So don't expect a, a really tight ending here. It just sort of still... It's my action winner of the week. It just picks up running. There's another rift that opens. There's another guy that comes out of the rift. Is he good or is he bad? They're, they're tying this to this Black Lake, Black Lake murderer. And it's a, it's a unique thing that's happening here, but very action-packed, very fast-paced. This can't be the end, but The Rift. You have to check it out. It's an easy, quick read, not tons of dialogue, but would make a great TV show. Like I said, it reminds me of Quantum Leap. Is the, is the Leap, is the, the Rift something that's happening that's science-related or something of some higher power? That's, at its core, the element of this, and it kind of goes back and forth there, semi-answering it. And now they've sort of decided that they have to resolve something before they put that person in there, back into the rift, and then things will be all hunky-dory. But I, I love the premise. Thank you, Jeremy Renner. I'm I'm totally digging this. Check out The Rift, issue number 404. Read them all. It's, it's an easy breezy read, like I said. So coming in at number five is the 
The art winner and cover art winner this week of Igiguara. Igiguara, this is Rose, issue number one. This is the third of the three new number ones that made it into the countdown. And this is from written by Meredith Finch. She's the wife of David Finch, who's an amazing artist. She's done some other stuff in the past, like Wonder Woman. This is sort of her first dive into the creator-owned area of comics, and she nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. Fantastic job, Meredith Finch. But the cover, like I said, shows Rose with white hair standing with a sword and her sort of giant panther partner. And love the look of the animal's face. So very realistic in its art style. Ig Guara, like I said, cover art winner and artist winner this week easily. But uh, there's a nice little thank you letter from Meredith here at the beginning. I love that. It's just like, thank you, reader, for checking this out. And it's so heartfelt and it was well written, as you can see, as her being a fantastic writer. But very nice to thank the reader right off the bat. I thought that was classy. Very classy, Meredith Finch. But this sort of sets the the tone here. It sets the layout, kind of gives you introductions to these characters. That this strange world that she's created is uh, filled with magical creatures that get linked to these guardians, ultimately. And the that was the time of, uh, of good, and now they're sort of in the time of the fall, if you will. And that the guardians are sort of gone, magic is sort of disappearing. It, it gives me that Lord of the Rings feel, which I love. It's captured that. It shows this, the, this rise of this queen with this great scarring on her face, and she has, she sort of looks like Storm from the X-Men. She has a kind of a mohawkish thing and white flowing hair, gorgeous. And this this king that had the uh, the the partnering of these large cat-like beasts, and they've now had to go into hiding. So the ultimately the queen has won, sort of killing magic, and now anyone with sort of magic powers and white hair has to have their hair dyed, like Rose does here when she's a teeny little kid, teeny little baby with little white hair popping out of her head. It's adorable. But they've had to go into hiding because ultimately this evil queen has just sort of abolished magic. She's killed all magic in the land, and now they have to go into hiding. And Rose is... is having even on accident little shows of her power like even from her tears a dead flower will uh, will will revive and become beautiful and white again and she's even sitting in this uh, this river sort of trying to have leaves fall into her hands and she's definitely embracing magic when she's really not supposed to even her mother tells her not to and i love the relationship between her and her mom it's adorable what happens there you're going to have to read but I tell you, it's uh, it's establishing this evil queen. It's establishing this world, like I said, where ma magic is abolished. People don't seem to have those those cat-like, giant cat-like companions. But I, I know it's coming. It's on the cover, for crying out loud. But I love this, the stage they're setting here. It's very fantastical. It's very beautifully drawn by Iguara. Emotions on the faces, from angry to happy to sad to confused to warlike. There's just a ton of it, and Igguara sells it. Gorgeous, gorgeous art. But this is that setting of the stage here. This is establishing that the queen has felt a disturbance <laughs> in the magical force and is going after Rose. That is what it we're just introduced to, but great initial premise. Beautiful, fantastic, detailed art. Like I said, art winner, cover art winner. Beautifully written by, by Meredith Finch. So I'm in. It's on the pull list. You should go grab it. It's just issue number one. Great jumping on. Let's go get it, folks. Is Rose, issue number one. My Definitely my number one pick of the new number ones this week. But from Image Comics, check it out. Rose, issue number one. And coming in at number four is from Marvel Comics, Silver Surfer, issue number ten. This is written by Dan Slott. Of course, he does Spider-Man as well. 
This is art by Mike Allred and colors by his wife, Laura Allred. Great husband and wife team. They just really, uh, they, they should be, right? Just, they, they definitely have that synergy and they're, they're really hitting with Dan Slott here very well. But Silver Surfer seems to just be getting better lately. And this uh, Don Greenwood is Silver Surfer's girlfriend. They're sort of just having this this uh, floaty trip across the galaxy, just seeing other galaxies. They are, don't really have such a, a, a major purchase, but they just uh, purpose. They just want to see the universe. And boy, the galactic feel of them traveling in the opening page, just traveling through this beautifully colored universe that they've laid out here, galaxy, is gorgeous. You just wanna, you just wanna jump in there and hang on to, hang on to the surfboard and go with them, because it's it's ethereal, it's it's astral, it's these stars and planets all over the place and all these strange colors. And then the call out from Galactus there happens, and Silver Surfer's just drawn to him automatically, whether he wants to or not. He's just flying through the galaxy to come to the beck and call of Galactus, and there he is, and they've changed him. Galactus is now this world feeder. He's this world builder. He's now the bringer of life, no longer the bringer of death and doom. But Galactus has also sensed an amazing uh, disturbance within the universal force, and he has been told that he... The universe is about to end, and they need to take this strange device to two ends of the universe to lengthen the life of the universe. <laughs> so it's very galactic, it's very out there, it's very very spacey. But I really enjoyed it, because ultimately it's this this fun ride between uh, Norrin Rad and Don Greenwood, and their sort of relationship, and their, their dating world that's going along at this galactic scale. And it's just, it's warm, it's heartwarming, it's funny, it's cute, and it's the most amazing color palette you've ever seen. Laura Allred uh, hit a home run, hit a, a grand slam in this, in her coloring. It's gorgeous. But what's going to happen? They have to separate. How can Don separate from Silver Surfer and just take the board and stay alive and breathe? So some of those things are answered here, and some of it you just have to go with. <laughs> but it is amazing. It's been so much fun. It's just this great galactic romp that is Silver Surfer, and uh, you have to check it out. Do they make it? Do they fix the universe? Or is it going to end? And well, how many years are we talking about here? Ah, you don't really know. It's the universal level of things and, and light speed, etc. So, you know, it's all relative and strange and weird. But it's a galactic fun dating romp. <laughs> Silver Surfer is. So go check it out. It's just been so much fun and I'm loving it. It just makes me happy with all the colors in, in it as well. And you put your eyes on it, your eyes will be happy and you'll be happy. And then you'll be like, man... I'm just feeling that all these colors just make me sort of warm and fuzzy. It'll happen, trust me. But here we go now, breaking into the top three. The big three this week. Coming in at number three is from Image Comics. It is Green Valley, issue number seven. <laughs> and this is from creator-writer Max Landis and penciler. And also doing the cover is Giuseppe Camancoli. And uh, I love this stuff. An amazing Spider-Man, I've always said that. But it's gorgeous. But this absolutely had the funniest moment of the week. Winner. Hands down. It's when these men in this uh, sort of uh, this this Christian or the sort of uh, olden days of, uh, you know, the, the Crusades, if you will, back then. These knights of Cal Caledonia are sitting around talking about time travel. And <laughs> there is this strange wizard that's that's come into their land. And this wizard has, like, an iPad and a strange, like, time travel device. 
and he is there just uh, just taking stuff and sort of killing villages and having no regard for the health and care of anyone that he uh, affects. He's he's even bringing other like he's bringing dinosaurs from another time frame and mixing them up here. He's definitely doing some damage to the time space continuum here. And the Knights of Caledonia are trying to gather together and fight this wizard, but he's fighting them with modern powers and sort of this this lightning uh, shooting iPad. <laughs> But there's but the three that's left of the Knights of Caledonia are contemplating how to attack this wizard and also trying to understand what he how he's uh, time traveling and it's hilarious because they're they, they really don't have any modern sensibility here though how the writer has just sort of really captured how someone in the 1400s or whenever this is would have a conversation about traveling through time is unique hilarious and an approached in a really interesting way i don't want to give you every little neat little nook and cranny of it but check it out for just that because it's like the good it's like one third of the of this issue in itself is just that sequence there you can read that alone not having any sort of continuity tie it's just ultimately these crusaders these knights trying to have a conversation about time travel and how it works. <laughs> so, uh, just for that alone, it was absolutely worth it. But they're putting a game to get a plan together here. They have to attack this wizard. He's sort of keep killing people in this village whenever he sort of feels like it. He has, like I said, he's just doing whatever the heck he wants because he's got the power and he has an iPad that wields out lightning, and he has no regard for anyone in this town. And you don't really know why yet. I, I hope they really answer that very soon. We're only at issue number seven. Where is he from? What's his motivation? Why is he doing this? He's just like this douche. He's just like a jerk that has this power. Maybe he's a, a fugitive on the run and he stole this time machine or something. But uh, yeah, I got to see where this is going. Is he going to create this alternate reality of 1985 where Biff uh, owns a casino? I, I just got to know. I love the time travel aspect. How that ties in. What does his world look like? We've, all, we've really just spent it here in the Crusades and the, whenever this is, we haven't seen... Uh, what the world is like from when he's where this time traveling wizard has come from, douche. But I'm I'm in. It's strange. It's weird. But that funny, hilarious moment was the real reason to get this, which is uh, like I said, the Crusaders talking about time travel. <laughs> hilarious. But uh, coming in at number two is from Image Comics as well. This is Motor Crush, issue number five, and this is from the creators Brendan Fletcher, Cameron Stewart, and Babs Tar. Babstar doing the art part of it, but they really equally credit themselves as creators here, which is nice. It's really like a true partnership, they feel, anyway. But this is like definitely a, a really improved title for me. It's sort of strange that it started out kind of okay and is getting better and better and better. It's like I definitely the most improved winner comic book uh, this weekend I've seen for a while. And at its core, at its heart here, is our main character, who uh, Domino Swift and her adopted father and that 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 relationship there and how we put the dad in peril and domino has to sort of step up but it's it's sort of how this adopted father of her has really dedicated his life for domino swift to be safe and to have a healthy upbringing and they love each other and she doesn't have like an angsty you know uh, rebel feeling towards her father it's just really just a feeling of care for him and you see why and what he's gone through here. That's at its core the element that sold Motor Girl for me in this particular issue. And it's been building. It's just sort of something they sprinkle in. And then this one really shows their relationship and her origin, which is now totally strange. You just kind of thought it would be this sort of speed racer sort of feeling comic 
that's definitely there visually, but they're now building this sort of that, that importance between the father and daughter relationship. But the origin is very unique here too. She's this this infant that is sort of addicted to this crush chemical that is ultimately like nitrous that you put into cars to go faster, but she inhales it. Where normally it would like kill people. And matter of fact, like issue number one. They uh, stick this crush fluid into someone and it kills them. But she has to inhale it to sort of live. And when she inhales a lot of it, she very much changes and is almost superhero-like. So I don't want to ruin there as to what happens towards the end of this, which is a great cliffhanger. So well done, like I gotta see what happens next. But it sprinkles in some origin. This has the father-daughter love there. It is kind of flashback heavy in this, but... I love it. It ties together so well, issues one through four, and even some awkward moments with her ex-girlfriend that she's trying to sort of reconcile, but just can't for some reason. It's, it's It also breaks your heart a little there as well. You know that she loves the ex-girlfriend still, but she knows, you know, Domino knows she's a mess and really can't offer her anything, and she's better off running away from her, screaming in terror. So it's complicated in that regard too, as far as relationships go. But there's some great humor written into this as well. Some some surprisingly well-timed funny moments here. And there is like an anime aspect with this weird recording floating ball that is supposed to be recording her because she's going to be in this big race eventually. And I love that that's still there. And she's made an agreement to allow this floating recording ball, uh, you know, record her 24 7 because it hypes up this this um, this huge race that she's going to be a part of eventually and it's all leading to that because she has to win it because she's now trying to help the ex-girlfriend with her debts and has made of course the deal with some dastardly people that she shouldn't have to help her ex-girlfriend out so it's complicated it's it's at its core the dad and daughter stuff i love it and it's just gets better and better and better so if you read the first couple issues and you feel like it's good it's really just getting great, and I, I love that, and it's really improved dramatically. And even in the art area, it's just like they're really finding their stride, and I love that. But this week's number one, so here we go. This is the greatest of the greats. This is the numero uno this week, and man, it was a good one. Harrow County, issue number 22 from Dark Horse Comics. This is written by Colin Bunn and art by Tyler Crook. His art is glorious and consistent, and it's a watercoloring style, and it's... And it's gruesome and frightening and the way they that he draws shadows and how it sort of has you leaning in looking as to what's going to happen and then boom it hits you with sort of an action scene when you turn the page in this sort of frightening moment the timing of it is top notch uh colin's layout of panels are unique and interesting i know they've partnered together to make some of this unique paneling which really is a big seller even the shadow of the words harrow county upon this this beautiful this grassy knoll is is haunting and beautiful at the same time with this watercoloring effect. I know I gush over it all the time. It's my favorite horror comic of all time, and it's it's becoming one of my favorite comics of all time. It's definitely a reread. I've and that's very rare for me that I'll pop open some past issues and just reread them and browse and look at them because it's just it's so appealing. It's so has this Americana backwoods feel. Very much a simpler time, but it's witches and goblins and monsters. And so they've been, in 21 issues, they've been, they've had this relationship between uh, Emmy, our main character, and sort of her only friend that's helped her through this. And her only friend now has agreed to sort of become this, this haint 
killer, if you will. Her grandmother is uh, is also a witch, and this this young woman that is her her friend, uh, also in this very sort of racist town, and she's this young black woman that is uh, is realizing that she has some of her grandmother's magical ability and has been really only Emmy's only friend, this is showing that now there's some cracks in that friendship. If our main, if this character here is going to kill Haints, well, Emmy is sort of friends with the Haints and trying to get the Haints to live in peace in Harrow County, but these are monsters and goblins and, and strange creatures, and it makes sense that, that she has to go and end these Haints so that, that Harrow County can live in peace, but... Emmy is trying to have them all live in harmony, and that's why it's just like this big, complicated shift here. Really, she's been her only friend, and now Emmy is, you know, they may, Bernice and Emmy may end up being enemies here. And uh, it's heartbreaking in a way. It really just kind of like, oh no, I don't want that to happen. But then at the same time, they've written it in a way where it completely makes sense. These these haints can't live in this county like this. These humans can't live. And they're even sprinkled in with humans that aren't really humans. They're just these mud-created, uh, sentient uh, shells of a human. We don't even know how many of them are in Harrow County. But, you know, Bernice has to try to do what she has to do from being a descendant of her grandmother that was also doing that for years and years and years, and years to make Harrow County livable and to rid themselves of, of the whole county of these hanked creatures that are Emmy's buddies, unfortunately. So it's a real fundamental big shift in where I think this comic book is going. Now pitting, you know, best friend against best, best friend. And they even have a conversation where it's not so cut and dry, where Bernice explains to her why she has to, to put away the haints. And Emmy's like, well, well, they're a part of me. And then Bernice is like, well, yeah, it's an evil part of you that needs to be extinguished. So there's this real, like, complicated back and forth that, that has them sort of at odds with each other. But they're, they're even just talking about it and why they have to do it. And... Uh, I just can't wait to see where this goes. It's a big fundamental, like I said, shift and uh, and a unique story aspect here that's starting a brand new arc. So I'd say if you haven't read the 21 issues, you should. But if you want to just jump in here, it's not a bad spot to just jump in. And uh, But it's it's worth the reads, the 21 reads. They're not super dialogue heavy and they're interesting and well-drawn and beautiful that they go by so fast. You'll be surprised. You'll be like, oh, that's one. Oh, that's two. Oh, that's three. Oh, that's 11. Oh, that's 19. It's like, it just, it's just a great read. And I, and like I've said before, I hope in a way it ends at 30 and then they put it into a beautiful hardbound, leather-bound, gold lamade version of it. But I also don't want it to ever stop. So, <laughs> but anyway, easily the number one pick. Harrow County has been a number one pick of mine at least five or seven or 11 times probably, but it is a, it's gorgeous piece of, of art and that watercoloring style is just uh, so appealing and has some great soft lines and edges and beautiful emotions on the face. He absolutely sells it, but top-notch, top-notch creative team here of Colin Bunn and Tyler Crook, they are uh, the best. They're, they're doing it. But there you go. Those are my new comic book recommendations this week for a new comic book day, April 12th. So please, Walk on over to a local comic book shop and buy these immediately. Tell them Chris from Sunspots Comics sent to you. That's right, you. And if you have any questions or comments on the show or you maybe want a personal comic book recommendation, email me directly, chris at sunspotscomics.com. If I choose your email, discuss it on a future podcast, I will send you a comic book prize, a little thank you from me personally. Please sign up for our email newsletter at sunspotscomics.com slash contact. And please tune in next week for Sunspots Comics issue number 103 
where I'm going to be reading a list of 22 comics next week for April 19th. And there's three new number ones, so I'm potentially reading about 25 comics. And there is some great stuff, some awesome stuff coming out next week. So here's a little just quick glimpse on what I'm looking forward to reading. Right off the top of the, no of the list is Invincible, issue number 135, The End of All Things. That, that is coming to an end. It's part three of the last of 12s ending for all time, which makes me sad, but I love Invincible so much. Low 17's coming out, Moon Knight's coming out, Royal City issue number two from Jeff Lemire, can't wait to see that. Uh, Super Sons, I love Jonathan and Damien together. Uh, Batman and Superman's Sons, it's a great, beautifully drawn, fun uh, coming of age of two superheroes, uh, love it. I can't wait to, to read that. And I Hate Fairyland, number 12. Just to name a few that's coming out. I Hate Fairyland, of course, Gertie hates Fairyland. She kills every, all the, the suns and stars and it's gory and gruesome and hilarious. I Hate Fairyland always makes me happy and smile and my face hurts after I read it. So there's just a little glimpse of what's coming up next week for podcast issue number 103 for April 19th. So please, just subscribe. You get them all so you don't even have to worry about it. That's going to be an amazing week of comics, so definitely jump in. So thank you very, very much for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, you want to help us out here, help me out, just subscribe and go to iTunes and give us a positive review with five stars. I'll personally read it, and thank you right here in a future podcast. I have two that I have to read, coming up very soon. But thank you so much for listening. I'll leave you, of course, with some wise words from Peter Parker's Uncle Ben. With great power comes great responsibility. And we all have that power within us. The power's within you, right? <laughs> Thanks, Nick, again. But please be like water, my friends. Be good to each other. And take care. I'll see you next week. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. See ya. Excelsior. Enough said. <laughs>
Sports Comics Now.